TCI Expo is the ideal place to compare equipment, evaluate products, and take advantage of show-only pricing from hundreds of exhibitors. You can test equipment when climbing high in the new TCI Expo Climb, or gain CEUs by attending live demonstrations or even participating in the skills arena. Don't forget to make new friends at the welcome reception, happy hour, and meet them all over again at the block party to check out equipment demos. Before we get into the episode, I would just like to talk about a few new events we're having at TCI Expo 2022 this year. The first of which is TCI Expo Climb. TCI Expo Climb is dedicated to the climbing community and is going to give our attendees a chance to try everything from harnesses to gear bags and everything in between. Anything you can think of for climbers will be here, and for all of our attendees, there will be music, gear giveaways, a happy hour, and an area for tree care professionals who want to geek out on gear and just talk trees. Additionally, new for this year is the TCI Block Party. The TCI Block Party will feature a cash bar, food trucks, and equipment demos from more than 10 exhibitors. Located next to the convention center, we're making it easy for you to connect, check out more exhibitors after hours, and enjoy some time outside. It's TCI Expo's first ever outdoor block party for hardworking tree care professionals to have some fun. If you're ready to register or you want to learn more about the event, visit expo.tcia.org for all your TCI Expo needs. We look forward to seeing you in Charlotte from November 10th to November 12th. Well, hey there. I'm Peter Gerstenberger. I'm currently the Senior Vice President for Industry Support at TCIA. I started here in 1985 as a staff arborist. Um, I've had a variety of responsibilities over those years. Um, Right now, I'm the publisher of the magazine, Um, more or less a mentor to other areas of such as TCI Expo and uh, program development and membership um, throughout the organization. So over a long career here, I've had an opportunity to do a lot of different things, fulfill a lot of different functions for the organization. Yeah, thank you. And you do wear a lot of different hats here. I do. Um, But I guess even before you got the TCIA, how did you get started? I got started in arboriculture the way a lot of people get started in arboriculture. I basically backed into it, not having any idea what it was. it was the summer between my junior and senior years in college, and I was looking for a job outside to maintain a good tan, and I thought tree care would be a good idea. Um, I was a kind of a plant biology major at the time in school, and it kind of fit in with my uh, mentality at the time. I applied at one tree care company in, in Des Moines, Iowa, and got turned down. This was a different time when companies weren't necessarily desperate for employees. I applied at another smaller company and was hired. And uh, it should have been a warning right there that they would hire somebody with no experience. Within three months, I think I was a foreman. But uh, that I, I loved the business, but simultaneously I saw so many things wrong with the way the small business was being run and um, that it just kind of motivated me, if you will, to, to pursue a career of trying to help people in this industry, be better at what they did. The way I got started with Tree Care Industry Association, formerly National Arborist Association, I was several jobs into my career as an arborist. I was working for a a major national company. I was in the Midwest, and they decided to close the particular division that I worked with or worked for. One of my bosses at the time said, hey, have you ever heard of this 
organization called National Arborist Association, it would seem to be a really good fit for what you want to try to do in your career. I had never heard of them before, but I learned that the executive director was at a conference, turned out to be an ISA conference, about 100 miles away from where I lived, and they were interviewing for this position. I decided to drive up and meet him, and uh, I was in a Marriott Hotel um, restaurant interviewing with the boss at the time, Bob Felix, and his wife, Pat. They offered me the job, and I was working out east about a month after that. And the rest, as they say, has been history. That's crazy. I think it's interesting, too, that like when you started Tree Care, that you had such a bad experience, it motivated you to do better and not just totally write it off entirely. It, it was a different time, of course, but there are some similarities. Like This was in a time when there was no internet. There, there was no email. There, it, it, especially... And I don't think you'd have to be in the Midwest somewhere to be to have this feeling, but there was this feeling that this company was very isolated from the industry, very isolated from the profession, so to speak, trying to figure things out on their own. And, and a lot of their knowledge, frankly, was coming from some very dated textbooks about what proper tree care really consisted of. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the things they applied in the field were very antiquated. Um, parallel to that, in, in terms of their practice, their their business practices in terms of hiring and retaining employees and 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 developing employees were very antiquated, um, lacking. And yeah, it rather than turning me off from that, because at the same time I really liked the people and I really liked the work and there was a, just a lot of satisfaction in it. I said there has to be a better way. There has to be a way to bring more professionalism, more knowledge into a small company like this. And, and so when I left that company, eventually it was with a purpose of trying to get really better to be that kind of middle person that could go to where the knowledge resided and grab it and bring it into a small company like that. And I went back to grad school, frankly, to, to become a plant pathologist with the idea of maybe becoming a, a, an extension specialist. Um, that didn't work out, but it 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 kind of shaped and, and directed me in my career where I went to work. I went to work uh, training arborists to climb and fulfill any of another other, a bunch of different job tasks, but primarily climbing and giving people job skills. And it just kind of went from there. Yeah, and... You know, segueing that nicely into our discussion about Expo, I want to have, um, you know, Expo, we kind of talk about is the place where it is for training and professionals and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's um, been years and years in the making. Uh, I don't know what your first Expo looked like, because I, quite frankly, don't know the history of Expo that well. Sure. Like some people here do, but. Well, without, I'll try to spare the boring and long history lesson. The first TCI Expo was in 1990. Prior to that, there was another show. Uh, and at that time, we participated in this other show, and, and we helped to put on the educational program for this other show. It really, with the this precursor show, the emphasis was on the company who ran it making money by having a trade show, by putting together an educational program to attract attendees uh, to justify the trade show. But at the end of the day, it was really about them making money. 
we just felt that we being National Arborist Association folks at the time, Bob Felix, myself, Pat, a couple others, felt like it was doing a disservice to the industry because it, it really wasn't putting the attendee first. It really wasn't putting the, the vendor first. Uh, it was putting money in front of those things. And we thought to ourselves and discussed with our board that, you know, hey, we could do a better job at this. Mm-hmm. We, could, we, would, we could do a job of running a trade show that would help fulfill the mission of the organization, which is roughly was the same as it is now, which is helping tree care companies advance their businesses, become better, more professional. So we did just that. Uh, we simultaneously launched a magazine and started dreaming up the first uh, tree care industry exposition. And both came to fruition in 1990, and it's been nonstop ever since with both the magazine and simultaneously the trade show. Yeah, and my question about that, it's from somebody, I know all industries <clears throat> seem to have you know a trade show or a conference or education and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I just, you, it's, it's so weird to me that, you know, um, vice versa, right? The trade show and the education work in tandem versus against each other because it's hard to kind of be like, you should only go to the education, you should only go to the trade show for it. It feels like both. But um, specifically from an education standpoint, why is attending education at somewhere like uh, TCI Expo important, especially when we do offer, you know, like the Tree Care Academy courses and Tailgate Safety and all these other kind of resources we have for them available for like self-study? Well, it's all important. Um I think it's important that we offer the self-study, um, frankly, because not everybody can get to one location to attend a trade show. And self-study is something that can be entered into virtually at every le- any level, and you can progress from there. And it's, you know, it's perhaps more appropriate uh, for field crews. Uh, somebody just just getting into the industry, as I was back in 1970-whatever, uh, knowing nothing about the industry, it it provides a you know that first step that f- that first basis for attending, and I, and I think that complements very well what we do at Expo, which is tends to be higher level learning um, on a variety of different topics. I mean, we roughly divide our trade show conference into things that per- pertain to business, things that pertain to the practice of arboriculture, more technical. Um, things that pertain to training and, you know, a variety of other things like that. Um, but it's the, the demographic or the target market for those is probably somebody who has had some experience in the industry and, uh, is looking to just get to that next level. Um, so I, I think the two things rather than being conflicting are, are very complementary of one another. Um, online learning or remote learning gives you the opportunity to jump in and to, to develop some sort of, especially for those who, like most of us, don't have the opportunity to go to school for arboriculture, but maybe have, oh, I don't know, backed into mm-hmm. this profession. It just gives you that that fundamental training um, in a affordable package, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, in, especially now because we still have the online one afterwards where they can come back and watch it and grab the CEUs. Um, has been helpful, but also too, for me, so, because now we have the online track that you can go back and watch afterwards and we have the in-person one. How do I prioritize my schedule to fit kind of 
my needs, right? How do you decide which ones to go see in person versus which <laughs> ones to wait and watch online? Because you can see them all now, technically, but. Right. I, I think, I don't know. I For me, it would be a personal decision of what subjects do I really need? What are my highest priority objectives of what I want to learn at this show? I would tend to want to go to those in person. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think I would probably assimilate more information uh, in that environment with a, the ability to ask questions or hear other people's conversation. Um, I don't mean even to read the body language of the speaker in some, in some cases. Um, so I would, I would start there. What, what do I really need most out of this conference? I would attempt to, you know, attend those live. Um, another major factor would be just the overall scheduling of the show. Are there other things that I really want to see that might compete with my ability to go to this particular speaker? You know, and, and for instance, a tree demo that I really want to see. Well, we don't, those aren't part of the virtual pack package. So, you know, I want to go to the live tree demo, obviously, if it's really important to me to, to learn that particular subject, maybe at the, at the expense of going to a session or, or not. Frankly, if I have employees coming to the show and I want to experience the trade show or particular products or things on the trade show floor with them, that might take precedence. As that's the beauty of, of, of having this virtual uh, option uh, with all the all the sessions is that I can prioritize based upon what's happening that particular day and what circumstances are and, and say, well, you know what, I can I can pick that up later. Mm. And, you know, knowing from the inside how you your team uh, is responsible for a lot of the education and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how do you manage to choose everything for, you know, normal sessions, tree demos, um, and I mean, this year we have the whole host of everything else. We have Expo Climb that, you know, now has the education going on. How do you decide what is important for education? Is it based off of, uh, you know, feedback? Is it based off of how we see the industry trends going? It's a it's a little bit of all of those things. Uh, first of all, to put the program together, which is, if you count up all the sessions, it's somewhere north of 40 different sessions, counting the tree demos and the various things that are happening throughout the trade show. Well, it takes a village to put that thing together. Uh, we have folks in the organization now, we're, we're really lucky to have folks who can concentrate on business subjects. We have training specialists who can concentrate on training subjects. We have arborists on staff, myself and, and others, who can focus on that aspect of the program. Each of us in our own right listened very carefully to our constituents, our members, um, about the things that are important in our jobs. And we take that feedback. You mentioned the word feedback. We take what we learn from our members, specifically what we perceive their needs to be in the industry, and we try to address them in the, in the overall educational program. So each of us, you know, whether it's business, whether it's arbicultural topics, um, whether it's training needs, what, you know, whether it's just general leadership information, hiring, recruiting, whatever it might be, we try to listen to our members and to other folks out there in the industry and, and, and try to assess what the needs are right now and how we can best fulfill those needs in our training program. And 
That's where the education program comes from. It's a long process involving a lot of people. Yeah, and I can attest to that. I've seen the process from the outside looking in, and I'm, you know, pretty happy that I don't have to be involved in those uh, those conversations that you guys have because they're in depth, long, and um, you know, meeting day. meeting after meeting and and lots of reaching out to folks in the industry, you know, for the potential contribution. It's it is. It's basically, a, it's a year process. We're already starting on a program, you know, now for the next expo, not the one coming up, but the one after that. Uh, we're already starting to think and put out those feelers and, and gather information because it, it really is a year in the making, at least, to develop that program. Yeah, and to, to become, you know, a speaker or something at expo, I know um, this is, we're doing a new sort of process-ish for our call for speakers this year. So things are in flux and I know we're hoping to have it open after expo, but really who, who should, could be a speaker at, at expo for us? Well, certainly subject matter expertise is, is probably the first hurdle to clear. I mean, we want, we don't want somebody who professes to be the expert just on social media. Um, you know, and they're experts in their own mind. We want their expertise to be proven, to be vetted. So we ne- need to know that the person really knows their subject and has something to contribute that's very meaningful for our, our you know, for our audience. Uh, beyond that, we need to know something about their presentation ability. Have they done this sort of presentation before? Are they the type of person that gets up in front of, you know, with a microphone in their face as I have right now and freezes and just can't talk, but is wonderful in one-on-one conversations, you know, so they have to have the ability to present at the end of the day. I mean, they have to have the ability to comply with deadlines, especially now that we offered this virtual option, you know, we have to record presentations in advance. So they have to have a certain amount of sophistication to allow them to accommodate those needs. Um, you know, as we, as we go forward and build this show, that becomes more and more important. So not only must they be an expert in their subject, but they have to be proficient at communication and proficient with the technology that allows us to, to offer these, these add-ons, if you will, to the normal, normal show. Um, we're always that all, all that being said, we're always looking for new sources. Um, yeah, we have some tried and true speakers that just have great messages. And, uh, you know, there are some folks that we've invited back year over year. I had a, a saying, it's uh, same circus, different town. You know, it, we have largely, uh, not largely, but a significant part of the of the attendance at Expo is, is a drive-in attendance. So it's a regional attendance. In some senses, it's a regional show with folks who routinely fly in from all other parts of the country, but we're, there's a regionality to it. And so it, it's appropriate in some cases to take a really good topic and a really good speaker and bring those to a new location so that new people can hear that same message. So there's a certain amount of that in our programming. You know, so mm-hmm. this is a great message that's timeless or that really is relevant. It deserves to be heard more than once. It's, it's funny, too, that we have a lot of attendees at these shows 
who come routinely and will go to the same speaker on the same topic year after year, if, if you allow it, just because they just can't get enough of that topic. And uh, we don't build our program around that, but we do remark that a lot of people always like try to find that same speaker on that same topic and hear it over and over again. Um, so I don't know, that's a long-winded way of addressing that question, but, you know, really finding the subject matter expertise, people with a passion, people with that proficiency or ability to, to really do well in public presentation and with the wherewithal to, you know, to accommodate the virtual recording and everything that comes with that. All those things are important. And that's why it's such a long process. Yeah. And I guess the other, the flip side of that question is, um, you know, we ask a lot of our speakers to do this for us. What do they gain by being speakers at Expo or presenters at Expo? Beside the riches uh, of uh, their honorarium and their travel stipend? (laughs) Um, No, frankly, I mean, they get recognition in front of a a larger audience. Um, They feel... Most of our speakers are very motivated. Um, they're part of this industry in, in one way or another. And like us on staff, where we're motivated to help our membership, they're motivated to help this industry. It's, it's a funny profession, at least in my opinion. It's, it's funny in that it draws, it creates so much allegiance among the people who have been touched by it who are a part of it, that they want to give back, that they want to see it grow. So that's that's another good aspect I, I think I would introduce to most of our speakers kind of have the same mindset as we do, as they're motivated to try to help this industry become more professional and better and more successful. So they share that with us. And uh, therefore, that's a major thing that they get out of doing these presentations, they're not going to get rich, you know, with the speaker honorarium and travel stipend and so forth. Um, But they will really help the industry in a significant way. Yeah. And we hear a lot of that too, where it's like, you know, um, people wanting to give back to the industry, people wanting to, you know, give back because somebody gave to them at an expo that they went to, you know, 10 years ago. Now they feel like it's their chance to give back. Mm -hmm. I think it's such an interesting phenomenon that, you know, almost everybody that we have on the podcast talks about how much this industry just gives back to each other, which is not not really heard of across most industries. Right. It's it's rare. Um, it's rare, I think, to see a profession where competitors are so willing to help one another. Mm-hmm. Literally, across town competitors. You know, it, at least within our rank and file, within our membership. Uh, are are willing to help their their fellow competitors to to raise the bar to improve standards for the greater profession. Sure, outside I think outside of our circles, um, you know, out there in in the backwaters of any metropolitan area, you're going to find companies that badmouth all other companies mm-hmm. and don't want to be part of that, but. Over the years, we've attracted the type of company to our membership and the, and the type of people to our program that are of that mindset that helping my fellow arborists, it raises the bar in my profession and, it, and 
in the end helps me too. Yeah. It, it's 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 on full display at TCI Expo too. I mean, the conversations that go on between, like you said, you know, crosstown competitors go mm-hmm. on, and even you know, um, even our our corporate equipment manufacturers and stuff like that. Hearing the conversations go on between them is pretty interesting. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. The same thing exists on the what we call the corporate side, which the, the vendors to our to our industry as well. Um, you know, they might they might fight like cats and dogs. In, in when they're trying to sell a, you know, piece of equipment. But at the end of the day, they have folks who are willing to sit down and work together to improve standards for the industry. I can't tell you, if, I'll just pick on one example of chipper manufacturers who have each sent representatives to a, to a meeting um, several years ago now to, to help us create a, a program, an educational program for chipper safety. And these folks, you know, from these different companies, these competitive companies sat down at the table and worked as a team uh, to develop that type of training because all of them, they may compete, but at the end of the day, it's all about improving professionalism in the industry and they put those other things aside to serve that higher purpose. And, and you know, that's just, that allows us to exist and, and to do well in this industry and, and with our um, objectives with our goals is to have people like that who are willing to just lay those other concerns aside and work for the betterment of the industry. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people like that. Yeah. And, you know, continuing that line of conversation because Amy's team would be upset if I didn't mention the, the trade show floor aspect sure. behind it. Um, I guess really what are the advantages of like a trade show floor and talking to these people versus just, going online and be able to purchase this similar kind of stuff. The, the trade show floor honestly is the biggest educational opportunity there is at expo. And I don't say that to belittle the speaker program and everything that there is, but you think about it, you walk around those, however many hundreds of booths there are with their representatives, each of those, exhibits contains subject matter experts in one particular relatively finite aspect of the business, whether it be a brush chipper or an aerial lift or an ejection system or a software. Every one of those booths has subject matter experts in it. The, the, the trade show therefore is the biggest educational opportunity there is to talk face to face with these subject matter experts. Yeah. To kick the tires. I mean, to, to get that firsthand, um, perception or assessment of whatever it is you're contemplating and to compare, frankly, mm-hmm. you know, one, one, one person's unit to another person's unit, uh, you know, device, whatever it may be, there's any of a number of them. It, it's a fantastic educational experience. Yeah, and just too like going around, I think it's from you know my first expo in 2018 to what it is or what it was last year. Um, just seeing some of the technology and the equipment and stuff and how much it's it's changed has been mm-hmm. has been interesting. And obviously, we get to see it every year because we have to to work it. So right. it's a different experience for us. But um, I guess I guess when you're on the trade show floor, right, and if you're actually looking to buy equipment or anything like that, um, 
what what should your plan be? Should you, you know, should you go look at everything? Should you, you know, maintain your brand loyalty? Like, I don't, I don't know the intricacies of buying stuff on the, the trade show floor because I have zero buying power. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you bought it like a t-shirt at least something. No, no, they're free. Uh, they're you know? always, they're yeah. always given to you. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the strategy, I think it has to start with planning and preparation. Um, I'm a big believer in comparison shopping. Yeah, there's, there's times when brand loyalty is important. For instance, if I have a large piece of equipment that's expensive to replace, I want to make sure I can maintain it. And, and so, you know, in that case, having the dealer local to me for the, whatever that piece of equipment is, maybe more important than the actual brand of that equipment just getting the ability to have somebody who's expert, um, you know, be at my beck and call should I need it is, is very important. But that aside, as a, as a purchaser, as a, as a um, consumer of the stuff that's on that trade show floor, I want to look at all the various products out there that, that can fulfill a need for me that could serve the same purpose for me. And to that extent, because the trade show is so big, I did a little math earlier and the last trade show floor was almost five football fields of stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to plan, you have to have a plan of attack. Um, I would suggest you download the app and you scout out where the booths are that you need to visit and you make yourself an itinerary because you, and wear comfortable shoes because you will be doing a lot of walking, but you deserve it. I mean, to, to get around to all those various vendors and to do some comparison of, of those things and to talk to their expertise. It's not just the piece of equipment, but it's the experts standing behind it that are important to me as a consumer of those things. So it's all going to be there at, at this one show. I mean, if it's available in the United States or North America, it's going to be on that trade show floor. And there's never... I mean, how many opportunities do you get to, to, to visit all these things in, in your local marketplace, wherever that may be? It's, it's just that fantastic opportunity. But plan, prepare, come with your lists, wear comfortable shoes, get plenty of sleep, um, and just be prepared to do a lot of legwork, literally. Setting up for the show last year, just in the two days prior to set up and running around, I pulled out my my uh, fitness app on my phone, and I'd walked 15 miles without even really looking at it. I mean, I was just walking from one end of the trade show floor to the other. Like I said, it was, I think it was four and three quarters football fields was what that square footage came out to be. It's it's just immense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And the, you know, the sleep thing, I think, is what people suffer with the most because people have such a well, yeah, good yeah. good time after the absolutely show floor well you gotta have that too but um what was your your um your favorite expo that you've been to or your most memorable one Mm -hmm. that's a good question i think frank allowed wright was asked what his favorite project was and he said something like my next one um and i the only way i can really answer i'd say my favorite expo was the very last one we did i've done what, over 30 of them now. They're all great. 
in, in some way or another. Um, we did two shows on the West Coast that were memorable, you know, for certain things. Um, one, one was our ability to be outside when we were running the show and actually have nice weather. Um, the first one where we put up a tree, which was two years into the show, 1992 in Baltimore, just seeing that demo tree go up in the middle of the trade show floor in a kind of an improvised tree stand and not having it fall down, um, <laughs> frankly, was that was a watershed moment. Mm-hmm. And we've done the tree ever since then. Um, but I, and, and, and I'm being honest here. I'm not just trying to be diplomatic. They're, they've all had special elements that were really great. Um, I say the last one only because it's the one, you know, freshest in my memory. It also happens to be the one with the largest ever attendance, which, you know, if you're trying to do something for the professionalism of the industry, well, it helps if the industry comes to it. So to some extent, the numbers count. Yeah. The numbers make a difference. And we had over 4,000 people on that trade show floor and another 1,000 uh, in the in the booth, so five thousand people total coming to that thing, you have to say, well, that's successful. Yeah, and having the biggest trade show floor ever, that was memorable, also. Yeah, yeah, but they were all great. No, and you have a lot to choose from too. So yeah. at some point, they all start to blend together. Blend together, yeah, um, they do. I mean, you you know it's bad when you get to certain venues and and you you've memorized all the halls in the convention center and and all the good restaurants to eat at and things like that. So they're, you know, they're cities we've been to time over time, Baltimore, uh, Columbus, Ohio, Charlotte, great venues. And, you know, you start, they start to become familiar to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, because when you spend a week there, it usually, you, you get to learn a lot about the city, the people, yep. um, everything around there. So no, I appreciate it. Uh, really? That's all I have about Expo, unless there's anything that you want to say that we didn't get a chance to. Wow. Um, For me, and I think for a lot of the attendees, um, one of the biggest benefits of coming to an Expo is the networking that happens with their fellow arborists and meeting sometimes people for the first time or this day and age. Maybe it's somebody they've only met through some sort of social media site or heard about um, getting the opportunity to to have that one-on-one with others in the industry maybe from different parts of the country or different walks of the industry maybe from some you know at some distance from wherever I am that networking is fantastic I said before that you know the the trade show is the biggest educational experience at expo and I'll I'll hedge on that a little bit and I'll say maybe for some folks and maybe for most folks, the networking that happens at Expo, if you take advantage of it, Mm -hmm. that networking with your fellow arborists is probably the, the biggest benefit that they derive from it. We're going to do a few things this coming year to facilitate the networking a little bit. We have the happy hour. Uh, We have a block party outside and, and various other networking events that we've had in the past, the opening reception parties and things like that. You know, recognizing that getting people together and getting people that opportunity to mentor one another, to, to exchange gripes, 
insights, whatever it may be, via that networking is just huge component of of the overall benefit of this show. So networking is really key. Again, plan and prepare for that. Don't just go back to your hotel room at, at night. You know, reach out to folks and meet somebody and you know that you may not have otherwise met. Get that opportunity. Take that opportunity to talk to people, to our, talk to our staff, and uh, just come to Expo with lots of enthusiasm, hopefully with rest and just that open mind, you know, to reach out to for that educational experience, which is going to be all around you 24 hours a day almost. 